Yeah, and that's exactly what I did. It was my violin. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Where have you been? It's it's good to be back with you guys. It really is. Uh, I told a couple of people this this morning, but uh, about two and a half weeks ago, Heidi and I were talking, and we're like, man, I'm ready to go back to church. And then we're like, but I'm not ready to go back to the responsibilities of church. I'm ready to go back and be with my family, but I'm not quite ready to go back and, you know, do the work. But... Uh, we were looking at our bank account and realized that we couldn't go on indefinitely like this. So we figured we had to go back to work somewhere and I might as well go back to work where I love and for the people I love. So we are really excited to be back with you. Um, you know, it's interesting when before sabbatical, I would take maybe two weeks off at a time and I would be at the end of that two weeks, like Heidi would be like, stop preaching to me at home because I just like all these sermon things just coming out of me. I took three months off, and a funny thing happened. I stopped listening to God for sermon ideas, and I stopped listening to God for sound bites and catchy ways of making the Bible come alive for you and started listening to him just for me. Just for me. And yeah, she's like, good job, you. You're like, Some of you were looking at me like, weren't you doing that before? I was hoping you were doing that before. Uh, I was listening to God for me, but in a, this is a very different sort of way. You're separated from all of those things that you have to do as a pastor. And I was just hearing God for me. And when it came down to this last week or so where I had to come and preach this Sunday, I, I almost experienced panic, honestly, because I'm like, God, what are you saying to them? Like, what am I supposed to say to them? What, what if my three-month sabbatical is for them? And I realized a lot of my sabbatical has nothing to do with you. Yeah, it has a lot to do with Jesus and a lot to do with me. And a lot of it is none of your business. I say that in love. And then a lot of what I'm learning and what I received through that time is still so wet cement that it's just not even shareable yet. It's stuff that I've got to work out and, and listen to the Lord on. And so the next several weeks is really a transition time for our family where we're going to be easing back into ministry life. So if we don't answer the phone call or email immediately, don't be offended. We're just taking our time. We're easing ourselves back in uh, because we want to make real changes in how we operate as pastors here at Pullman Foursquare and how this church functions together as a family. And that's going to take a little bit of time. So be patient with us. Um, with all of that, though, I was looking at it, and I was like, okay, so they've got all these expectations. We were, you know, three-month sabbatical. What did God teach you? It's going to be huge, right? And I'm like, ooh, I don't know. And we took a couple of days uh, last week just to kind of begin to ease back into life and to think about life. And then we took, like, our last hurrah of sabbatical time. We went camping for, for about three days, and we checked off, checked off, not checked off, checked off something on our bucket list, uh, to do while in the Palouse is to go and float the St. Joe River. How many of you have done that? Yeah, well, yeah, the Crosslers are all raising their hands because we did that together. Uh, they went with us or we went with them, however that works out. We went and we floated the St. Joe River. And as I was floating, I realized that a lot of the things that we received while on sabbatical are actually, you know, the, this float down the St. Joe is a metaphor for it. And it was a great way for me to be able to kind of put it into a context for you to share some of the things that we learned. So this morning, rather than a real sermon, rather than taking, you know, an ex, you know, expository, some part of the, part of the Bible, um, I'm just going to share some things that 
I learned along the way in our sabbatical, and I'm going to relate it straight back to this trip down to St. Joe. And you know what I have missed about being a pastor or being in full-time ministry? Like, let me say that differently. What I missed about being with you all the time here on Sundays is being able to have my head that large on the screen. Um, I really miss that. So anyway, here we go. We're gonna, I'm going to tell you some lessons that I learned while floating down the river that relates to my sabbatical, and we're going to point back to the Bible a little bit. And we're just gonna, it's going to be rough. Um, really, I wrote this like last night, which is, you, if you know me at all, that is not me. I even spent a day writing a sermon, and I pitched that thing out the window, and you get this, whatever this is. Whatever I've got written here is what's coming, so hold on to your hats. The first thing that I kind of realized on sabbatical, uh, the first thing I think the Lord really spoke to me was this phrase, go with the flow. Go with the flow. You're like, of course that's what you got on a three-month vacation, right? So thinking about this trip, I realized that our directions for the St. Joe float trip were really, like, Heidi and I called the St. Joe Ranger Station, and I had, like, a little note paper, and this woman just talked, and I was scrawling directions down. And then we realized, like, I realized, she's like, I've never actually floated this stretch of river, so I don't really know what it's like, but... You know, you could go and put in here, and you can take out there, and you just kind of jump in, and that's really how we went. We were like, well, we'll try this, this campground maybe, and we can find somewhere upstream to get in, and we're just going to go. Just going to go with the flow. I had no clue, actually, what was going to happen when we get there, when we got there. I don't know if the water was white water or blue water or black water that's just moving all slow. I had no idea what it was going to be, and it was very much uh, like our sabbatical. I went into our sabbatical. I had no clue what it was going to be like. I had no clue what was going to happen. I just knew that I was taking three months away from preaching all the time, three months away from hospital calls and and administration and all this. I had no idea what I was going to do, no clue what it was going to turn out to be. But in the midst of that, just like with this, it was like Jesus saying, you just going to have to go with the flow. I got this. We got in the river, and the one thing that we knew was that eventually, somewhere on the left-hand side of the river, we would find camp again. Okay, we would just if we go from point A to point B, floating downstream, it's going to take us where we need to go eventually. And that's one of the big lessons of going with the flow is that the flow will take you where you need to go. The flow will lead you into what you need to know. Along the way, there's going to be lots of bends in the river. See, this is a map of the St. Joe River, and it's you know it's kind of curvy in that picture, right? And that's the way life is. It's a little curvy, but sometimes it feels more like this next picture which I'm going to have Simon put up there for you. It feels more like this, right? And this is the fear of going into that sabbatical time. And this is the fear of our lives that as we allow ourselves to be moved along by God, it's going to feel more like this, these twists and turns. And sometimes we start and end in the same place and we come around ourselves and we don't know which way is up. And you're sitting in your boat and it's like a squiggly line going down the river. But here's the thing, even though you don't know what's ahead, if you allow yourself to be moved along by the Holy Spirit, you allow your life to be carried by Jesus, eventually you're going to get to that camp spot. You're going to get to where the Lord is taking you. I was told that going into sabbatical, not only did I not know what was going to take place, one guy said to me, one pastor who'd done several of these, he said, three months? You're taking a three-month sabbatical? That's exactly how long it takes to get what needs to be done, done in you. And I'm like, oh, good. And I hung up the phone. And the next day, I like emailed him. I'm like, what needs to happen? (laughs) You know? What is it that God needs to do in me? He's like, oh, you'll find out. 
turns out that it takes three months for a person's body, okay, just physically, on a physical level, it takes three months for your body to restore itself from stress, from anxiety, from fear, from any of those things. Three months for your body to just replace the hormones that are naturally supposed to be produced in your body just so you can sleep well. Three months. That's just the physical stuff. The spiritual stuff is even greater. And God is working in you and in me and all this time that we took this break. That's what was going on in us. God was just needing our souls a little bit. But I think that you as well are in this place in life where you're floating down the river. And if you allow yourself, even while floating in life as it is every day, allowing God to take you down the river as he's going to take you, he still wants to need your soul. He still wants to work in you, and you need to allow him to do it. So go with the flow, knowing that he is going to take you where he needs you to be in his timing. And the Bible even fleshes this out. When, when Paul said in Philippians 1.6, this is like way quoted scripture, right? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. Bring it to completion. You know, we're like worried that we got to work these things out, that we got to fix these things, that we got to make it happen. But really, it's God who is working in you to will and to act according to his good purposes. And it's God who is working in us as a church to allow us to float down the river as God calls us. And he is taking us to the destination that he has set aside for us. And he will be faithful to complete it. So will you trust him? There's a a prayer by a a Society of Jesus priest, uh, the SOJ. Um, He's a Catholic guy real smart types, um, the Society of Jesus. And he wrote this prayer back in the 1920s. And it says this, Above all, trust in the slow work of God. Go with the flow. Trust that God is carrying you where he wants to take you. But know this, that sometimes that flow will lead you to what my seven-year-old, six-year-old daughter, Amelia six, like this morning Emma was 11 and Isaac was 20 and, and now Amelia is seven, um, it's all mixed up. but So Amelia is six. So sometimes going with the flow is going to lead you into what she affectionately called innies. We're floating along the river, and you come into this place. And So I'm just thinking about it for myself. As I was sitting in this, this raft, I like looked up, and I saw this tree. And it's this beautiful tree. It's very graceful, and the leaves are green, and they're blowing. And I'm just staring at this tree. And I realize that I'm still staring at this tree, and that this tree is not moving. It's just getting closer and then further away and then closer and further away. And, clo- and then I look around and realize that I am in what she calls an innie. We call, call an eddy, okay, an eddy. An eddy is this, one of these little pools that just the current goes past and it spins the water and stuff gets stuck in there. And they'll just, you just get stuck there, sitting there, spinning and spinning and spinning. And there can seem like great moments because you see this beautiful tree, but we can get stuck there as we're flowing along because the flow sometimes has these little pullouts and we stop we stop growing we stop learning we just focus on this spot that was so great this moment that was so wonderful this moment where we saw god maybe and we're living on that moment maybe it's a, a place of comfort where we're not really ready to go back out in the river we just want to stay right here in this comfortable spot it's an any you kind of turn inward in those places getting away on sabbatical is kind of like a fast. It was a fast from work, a fast from ministry, a fast from all the things that I do to begin to be able to see the eddies in my life, the innies, the places where I've turned inward, the places where I'm spinning, just sitting there going around and around, and it seems like a nice place, and I don't want to go. 
We all have them. And our sabbatical, my sabbatical, allowed me to see some of those places. Places where I was more comfortable working for God's love than actually resting in it. Places where I was more comfortable just floating in the, the work rather than floating in the presence of God. In the Gospel of Matthew, in the very beginning of it, Jesus goes down to be baptized. You guys all know this story. He comes down to John, and John's like, I'm not supposed to be baptizing. You should be baptizing me because John's, you know, Jesus is the Son of God. John is just John the Baptist. And Jesus is like, no, i got to obey the Father in this. We all need to be doing this. So he goes down, and he's baptized. He's dipped in the water, and he comes out of the water, and he stands up. And then there's this crazy moment where it's like God literally blurts into, into, into existence. Like, so we've just spent millennia of God not really speaking uh, uh, you know, audibly. To people, It was 400 years of complete silence from God. And then we have angels talking to Mary and Joseph before Jesus comes. But in this moment, suddenly God just blurts something out. He goes, this is my son in who I am well pleased. I love this child. I love this man. God's overwhelmed with love for his son. But then later in the New Testament, we have this man, the Apostle John, not the same as John the Baptist, who's writing about that love that God has for God's Son. And he says this, he says, Behold, I love the word behold. I've heard a pastor say that behold means to stand in awe and wonder. Okay, to be blown away by this. So behold, be, be prepared, hold on to your seats. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called sons and daughters of God. That love that God has for his son Jesus in that moment. God is up in heaven now, blurting this out to the angels. And look at my children and look how much I love them. We get caught in these eddies and we're stuck. And, and God, and we feel stuck. And we feel like life isn't moving. And life is not doing what we want it to do. And life isn't happening the way it should happen. Or I'm just too afraid to get out there. And all the while, God is in heaven looking down on us saying, I love you. Behold my child. Behold the one that I love. Look, stand in awe and wonder, angels. Look at these people. I love them. What innie are you stuck in right now? What are your innies? Let's do a little exercise. If I told you right now that God was thinking about you specifically, like he'd set aside every other thought, that the God of the universe was able to do this. He stopped thinking about the black holes. He stopped thinking about gravity. He stopped thinking about holding the universe together. And he just thought about Kristen. He just thought about Derek. He just thought about Ben. He just thought about you. What's God's first thought? The first thing that pops in your head. If you said anything but that, you found an eddy. You found a place where you're stuck. If you thought of anything but this is my beloved child, that's a place where the Lord wants to pull you back into his stream and lead you into his ways. Sometimes I feel like, oh, sorry, I jumped ahead in my stuff. So that's the next thing. Uh, the third thing about going with the flow is this. Let it determine your speed. You let the flow determine your speed. Derek, do you mean to step on it for you? Okay. Love it. Well, just laugh. It's good. You got it? You set? You with me now? Okay, Good. I was just going to sit down and take a break and let you go, you know, because I'm all flexible this morning. Like I said, this is rough. It's whatever. 
Uh, the next thing that I learned about on this river and on our sabbatical is this. You let the river determine your speed. You let the flow. If you're going with the flow, the river determines your speed. Now, I love this picture because, I mean, first of all, how, this is like the picture of sabbatical, isn't it? I mean, this is like quintessential sabbatical right here. We got our legs kicked up. We're loving the water. It's so wonderful. But notice that Rob is way the heck back there. Rob had this problem where he was always lagging behind for some reason. He's riding on the same sort of raft as his wife, and, and he's like, I don't know. Were you carrying an anchor or something? I don't know what was going on. But he was moving along at a completely different speed than everybody else. And it was the same water, the same going the same speed in this area. The water flows about one mile an hour. So no matter what you do, you're going to be going about a mile an hour, and that's just the way it is. But that's the way God moves as well. Sometimes that river is going to move super fast, springtime, right after the first melt. Sometimes in the late fall, it's going to be moving even slower, and there's going to be even less water. But you move at the speed of the water no matter what you do when you're in the flow. God moves at a different speed than us. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's speed is not our speed. Sometimes we want things to happen fast. Sometimes we want to enjoy things and make it move slow, but it moves too fast. But God is working and moving and setting the pace on his own. I have this habit I discovered is that basically I want to increase the size of my anointing from God. I want to increase the size of our church, our church's influence, all of these things. So we work really hard. And in a sense, like God doesn't seem to be doing this thing that I want to have done right now. I am going to do it for him. I'm going to make it happen. So I'm in my raft, and the water's moving along, and the speed is going, and so I'm doing this number. It's paddle, 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 paddle as hard and as fast as I can because I really want to make things take off. I'm going to work a little harder. I'm going to do one more event. I'm going to spend one more day, one more hour. I'm going to answer one more email, one more phone call. I'm going to just do just a little bit more to keep this thing going down the river at the speed we want to go. And the reality is, is this paddling may or may not make any difference whatsoever. Really, what I get out of it is really sore arms. I just get tired. I just get tired. Have you ever experienced that? Where you're like, this isn't, this isn't going how I want it to go. This isn't happening as fast as I want it to happen. So you start paddling and you start working to make it happen on your own. Sometimes I feel like I need to do God's work for him. God, you're not doing this right now, so I'll just handle this for you. Maybe you're a little too busy. I know black holes are complicated. So you think about black holes and I'll handle this. The reality is, though, that God is pretty small. That understanding of who God is is pretty weak or pretty aloof, pretty busy to be concerned about this church, this place, this pastor, this heart, this life. And I think the reality is, as we get into those moments and we start flailing, we start working, and the reason that we don't see God move is because we're too busy taking up space. We're too busy working. We're too busy making it happen on our own trying to do God's work for him. Galatians 1.15, I was reading a lot of the pastoral epistles over the, over the sabbatical, and I was just, I was like reading it like Star Wars, right? I read it again for the first time, and I'm like, First Timothy, who wrote this? This is amazing. And Galatians is like, holy cow, it like just kept blowing my mind in these things. There's this one phrase that stuck out to me in Galatians 1.15. It said, just says this, when it pleased God. He goes on to talk about he sent his son, and you know, it's but there's just this phrase, when it pleased God. How about that for timing, right? Another way of saying it is when the time was full. 
you can look at the New Testament and the coming of Jesus and how the time was just absolutely brilliantly perfect. The Romans had created roads so that messages could be, could be sent out all over the place. And this time of war that actually scatters people and, and, and just all of these things that have to come into play for the gospel to be perfect, perfectly timed so that we have it today. God is still doing that business. He's still doing that with you and me. When God is pleased with the moment, he will make happen what needs to happen in you and in me and in this church. So coming back from sabbatical, I am purposing to move at a different pace. Not at the pace of the culture, not at the pace of busyness, not at the pace of the world that's moving around like 900 miles an hour outside. I'm going to sit in a raft with Jesus. I am purposing to move at God's speed and to allow God's timing to take place in this church. I love cell phones, but I think we need to turn them all off now. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be working to get us into a swifter current. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to be looking for ways to engage us in the stream. But it does mean that I am going to spend more time discerning and less time planning. I'm going to spend more time praying and less time designing. And I hope that you will join me in that too. More time just discerning what God is doing and less time trying to make it happen. Another thing that we learned uh, this weekend and over the sabbatical was that rough water can be fun. My previous experience with rough water actually had to do with the ocean. Um, and if you know me and heard my story about last summer when I went out on the ocean and we experienced rough water, it mostly involved me feeding the fish. Actually, that's all it involved. I didn't even catch fish. I just fed fish for hours upon hours. I hate rough water and I hate oceans. Uh, well, and a boat. I love oceans otherwise. They're wonderful. But being in a boat on the ocean is bad. Enough said about that. When you get out on the rough water in the ocean, you're like, I'm sick. Or we're going to sink. You know, we're like the disciples in the boat. The water's rough. We're going to sink and then we're all going to die. We get all kind of panicky and stuff. But when you're on a river and you're in a raft and it's 100 degrees outside and you see a wave or a rapid up ahead of you, you get kind of excited you kind of come at it with a different perspective. You, you know that if you come at it with calm, if you come at it with confidence and with some anticipation, that you might get wet, and that's going to be the worst of it, and getting wet is awesome. Okay, so the worst that could happen is you could die, but we're not going to focus on that, right? I mean, it's just going to be awesome. I had Dexter, my dog, with me. Let's take a look at this next picture. I, see, I even Look at Dexter. He is smiling, Okay. And Isaac is smiling. We were like having the greatest time. But just up ahead there, you can start to see the ripples. And there's some rapids. So Dexter, when we're on this flat water, he's like, okay, I can chill here. I can be up on the, on the side of the raft, not hopefully puncturing it with my claws. But when we get to those rapids, he started getting anxious. He started getting a little and, and, you know, excited inside. And then he starts whimpering, especially when, when Heidi and Amelia and, or Rob and Crystal or whoever was out ahead of us. And they're going, and then they go, woohoo, like that. He starts going, <laughs> he's getting really, like, not excited, anxious. He's getting anxious because he wasn't trusting his guide, right? He wasn't trusting the guy steering the raft down the stream, he was thinking he was going to have to swim for it. And he's a dog made for dirt, not water. 
he didn't get very excited about it. I, on the other hand, was looking for rapids to take us on, okay? I'm guiding us down the street. I am looking for ways to get wet. I am looking for ways to enjoy myself. And it's going to be awesome. And sab- sabbatical kind of felt like that. Sabbatical kind of helped me see where in my life I was anxious about the rapids that were ahead, where I was anxious about the rough water, how I wasn't approaching it with calm, how I wasn't trusting my guide, who was Jesus. And it took some of the fun out of the journey for me. And I'm realizing now that God has meant this life to be an adventure, an adventure with him. He's meant being in the family of God to be enjoyable and a ride that we remember that forms us and shapes us. I learned that just like the rapids, when we face rough water with calm and we trust God and we have a sense that God is up to something good, that things might just turn out to be fun instead of painful. It's not about what you face in life. It's not about what you're facing right now. It's about how you face it. It's about how you handle the anxiety and the stress in the midst of the chaos of life. And it's about how you trust Jesus. I realized that, who knows, maybe God allows this rough water, maybe he guides me into the rough water ahead for a reason. Maybe he's wanting to shape me somehow. Maybe I just need a bath. Maybe he just wants me to smile a little more and have a little more fun. And I think that's for all of us. As a church, we have some rapids ahead. Let's just be honest. Chris and Kristen are leaving today. That's going to be hard. We're, gonna, not just, we're not just a vacuum of a position with our youth, but the vacuum of family members and people that we love desperately. And that's going to hurt. We have a vacuum right now in our worship area. God's filled it over the summer with people like Scott and his wife and family. Thank you guys for being here and filling that role. But we could get anxious about this stuff. And we can worry about this stuff. And the temptation for me as a pastor is to come back and to get all busy with it and get this stuff fixed, right? My anxiety wants to drive me into it. But the apostle Paul, again in Philippians, says something we all know. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving of all things, make your request known to God. God, there's some rough water ahead. I'm not sure how to respond to this. I'm a little scared right now. He's going, just get your woo-hoo ready. Just get your woo-hoo ready. That wasn't in my notes. That was the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you take nothing else away from this today, get your woo-hoo ready because that's what it is to be thankful. That is that moment of thanksgiving that God wants you to approach the rough water of your life with. I think this is, yeah, this is, I got two quick things and I'm gonna have to be fast because we wanna say goodbye well today. Um, Be careful what you hold on to as you float down the river. This isn't an actual picture of me, but it could have been. Uh, Nobody expected it to happen. Uh, Nobody was paying attention at that very moment. Isaac and I were floating together down the stream, and he's holding on to my raft, and I'm just chilling and enjoying the ride. And it's like one rapid. I mean, seriously, one rapid. They said on the phone that there's like class one and two rapids, which is like, you know, somebody sneezed and the water rippled and, you know, that's it. So I'm not expecting or anticipating anything. And I'll see ahead, there's this rapid. And, and every time before I've gone past this spot, you just slide off to the side and go real fast. And you can maybe get a little splash. Yay! But this time, Isaac held on to my raft. 
And as we're approaching this waterfall, this one rock, I'm like, it doesn't look like I'm going to go around the side of this thing. It looks like we're going to hang up sideways on this. I said, Isaac, let go. Isaac, let go. And he's looking at me like, no, why? You're going to float away. I don't want to, I want to be with you. I'm like, let go, let go, let go. And we hit the thing. He goes sliding around the side. And what do I do? Up over the top of it, whoop, upside down into the water with my prescription sunglasses and hat. And, and I'm just like, I'm tumbling underwater. I'm smacking my knees on rocks. They're dying laughing in this moment. They're insensitive people. Insensitive people, let me tell you. And I am like, and I get up, and, and the water is actually about neck deep at this point, and I'm trying to stand up, and the rocks are slippery. It's dragging me backward. My float is going away, and, and it's just like chaos, and they're laughing and laughing and laughing, and it was a wonderful moment. It's funny, but I got some nice bruises. On sabbatical, I realized that in the float of life, I've probably been holding on to some things, some things that can dump me out of the boat. And the weight of responsibility, fears, anxieties, holding on to things that weren't mine to carry down the river because they're God's things to carry down the river. I don't okay, is my alone in doing that? Has anybody ever done that? No, no, okay, good. So I'll just, well, it's like a counseling session today. I'll just air that grievance and you can all like go, that's very good. How does that make you feel? In the scriptures, the author of Hebrews, in another famous verse, as I'm reading this, I'm like, it's like, felt like I was like reading again, reading these verses for the first time. So fresh they were for me. He says, to lay aside or let go of every weight. And then there's a comma, and he says, and sin, which clings so easily. Okay, so the things you're holding on to that are yours, then realize there's also sin that's clinging to you. Things that you're not necessarily holding on to, but that are holding on to you, like Isaac was holding on to my boat. I just somehow related my son to sin. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not sure, but you guys get the picture, right? That's what's going on here. Things that you're holding on to and things that are holding on to you that are about to dump your boat and sink you as you're floating down this river with Jesus. Let's just lay it aside and let it go. Allow the flow to take you where it's going to take you. And where is this river going to take you? This last thing actually comes from part of our sabbatical where we took a family vacation, and I like wrestled. Do I tell people about this? Do I not tell people about this? I don't want people to feel jealous. I don't want people to feel like I'm like so rich because I'm not. We saved forever to do this. Well, once-in-a-lifetime trip to Mexico. We took them to the Yucatan Peninsula, our whole family, and we traveled and just had this amazing time and got sick and ate amazing food in places you would never, ever want to eat, ever. Um, and it was just this brilliant time. But on the flight there, something crazy happened. We flew, we flew United Airlines. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, something that we never expected to happen, happened. We get on the airplane, and the stewardess comes over the, the flight, you know, the intercom, and she says, good afternoon, everybody. This is flight... 227 from Denver to Cancun, Mexico. If you're not going to paradise, you might want to get off now. I go. <laughs> if I'm not going to paradise, I want to get off this flight. Uh, and so then we're in the air. We take off. We're flying in the air. And the stewardess comes on again. She says, ladies and gentlemen, the captain has just illuminated the fastened seatbelt signs. There's going to be some bumpy air ahead because of some thunderstorms over Texas. So make sure you fasten those seatbelts, but sit back and relax and enjoy your flight because you are headed to paradise. 
About 10, 15 minutes later, on she comes again. She says, ladies and gentlemen, we're just wondering if there's any medical personnel on board this flight. Like instantly, everybody gets anxious, right? Like, "Uh uh-oh, what's happened? Is the pilot dying? And we're like nervous. And she goes, a passenger is having a medical emergency and we're looking for somebody to help out. If you are a medical emergency personnel, please press your call button. And uh, if you're not, sit back and relax because you're on your way to paradise. All right. They get the medical emergency handled. Even the lady who's having the medical emergency is apparently on her way to paradise. We start to come into land in Cancun area, and there's storm clouds everywhere. She's like, we're going to have you put on your seatbelts a little bit early, but don't worry because you're on your way to We land on the ground. We are 25 minutes early. She comes over the intercom and says, we've landed 25 minutes early. That means the gate isn't ready for us. So we may be waiting in the airplane for 20 minutes, but don't worry because we are in. We get to the gate and she says, welcome to Cancun. The weather outside is currently underwater because it was pouring rain and thunderstorms and it was hot and muggy and wet. And she says, but don't worry because this is paradise. That's my encouragement to you this morning. I am the ultimate flight attendant. So let me say to you, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about your car ride to North Carolina. Don't be anxious about your work for this next week. Don't be anxious about what's going on in your life in this moment or the next because you are on your way to paradise. This is paradise for me. This is a beach in Tulum, and it was wonderful. But I realized in the moment, when I get anxious and worry, I lose my sense of wonder, and I forget that this river is taking us to paradise. It's taking us to eternity with God. It's taking us to perfect relationships with one another and with Him. He's taking us to a place where we are set free from every bondage, every fear, every anxiety. It's so appreciated, that song this morning, that I am no longer a slave to fear because I am a child of God. What a great reminder. We are children of God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, have your woohoo ready because we're going to paradise. Yes. Okay, I've said my piece. I'm exhausted now. I need a vacation. I'll see you in three months. Uh, no. Uh, Janice, you've been in charge all summer, and I'm not going to let that stop now. I do need to say thank you to Janice. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's, there's people here, and the building still stands. Success success. And uh, yeah, nobody died, so we're good. But Janice and Casey, Casey, oh, there you are. She's at the other end of the aisle. It's kind of funny. Church family business is weird because it's easy to turn things into, you know, clapping for ourselves. But really, it was the Lord that kept this thing going. But their obedience, and I just really appreciate you for doing that. Would you guys come up? Because we need to say goodbye to Chris and Kristen, and, and you guys have kind of been planning and organizing this, and um, I need you and Emma, I don't know if you guys want to come to or whatever. Uh, this is not planned. I have no plan. I'm just stumbling at this point. 
I'm going with the flow, right? I'm just waiting for the flow to take over. So what we're going to do this morning is, first of all, we want to say thank you, and, and, and we want to say goodbye, and we want to send them out. And it's also Rachel Beck's last Sunday again, because um, we've prayed for you many times. But we're going to pray for you again. Yeah, we just some people you can't get rid of. Um, I said this morning, we're a sending church, not a holding, grabbing church, because those are creepy. Um, and we're going to send some people out, but we really want to show our love and affection to Chris and Kristen, who for two plus years have been youth pastors and uh, just all around amazingness. And uh, Chris and Kristen, before we say anything to you, do you want to say anything to us? And there's a microphone. We're going to be a little bit long today, guys. I'm sorry. We'll just have to deal, I guess. I've tried to, like, write something to say, like, a thousand times, and uh, I keep ripping it up, but um, it's been a privilege. This has been a place where God has uh, called us and defined our call and allowed us to serve in our gifts and sometimes out of our gifts, and um, you guys have, like, entrusted us with your kids, which I sometimes thought was crazy. But, it was. <laughs> hey, it's you, you guys are the crazy ones. Like, I blame you. <laughs> uh, you you've showed us what it means to um, have our, our church community really be family, and we're just we're very thankful. So if you come visit us in North Carolina, we'll hit the beach, and it'll be a blast. You're not going to say anything? Come on. Okay, don't say anything. They are moving to North Carolina if you're not with us regularly. That's where they're headed. Yeah, so we'll be living in Halifax County in North Carolina. It's about an hour and a half north of Raleigh and a little bit south of the Virginia border. So come visit us. Um, I will, um, I'm working with AmeriCorps for the next two to three years. And uh, so I'll be teaching chemistry and physical science um, at a rural high school. That's a good way to put it, yeah. So... Yep, come visit us. It'll be great. We're going to learn about fried chicken. So we have a gift to give you. Casey has it. Yeah, fried everything. Um, it is a picture from Lori Heimbinger of the Palouse. So you never forget the fields here. And never forget that the, har- the, the harvest is ripe. Um, that the harvest is ready. And to keep praying for workers for the harvest, which is what we do. Um, and we are glad that you came as workers for harvest, to the harvest here at Pullman Foursquare, and we send you as workers for the harvest there in North Carolina. I know it's weird having me behind you, but uh, I haven't got down yet because I'm tired. Um, so that's what that is. And so we want to say thank you. And Heidi, do you want to say anything right now, or do you want to say it later? I don't want to. It's not fair to make my wife cry on the first day back after three months. It's just not... Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to lay hands on you guys and pray. And I'm going to invite anybody and everybody who wants to come down, and we're going to pray for them um, and send them out Pullman Foursquare style, which means with food afterward, actually, because we're going to we're going to pray and lay hands on them. Then we're going to have cake, and I'm going to let Janice take charge of this time, and I'm just going to pray with everybody else. Okay. I just want to. I just wanted to say a, a quick something before we start praying. That um, <clears throat> was actually told to Jan and I when we left Wyoming. 
But uh, as they pulled us all up and everybody was teary-eyed and all that stuff, they sang the song about, you know, that whether we're near or far apart, we're still family. And and that's what's, what's good is that um, we're still family. And when you travel at all, it's so fun to have family everywhere you go. So not only do we get that opportunity if we ever travel to North Carolina to see Chris and Kristen, they have family right here in Pullman that when they're traveling this way, they've got a place to always lay their head and, and be here. So we just, we love that, that we have family together. And that never ends because it's not based on how many miles we live apart. And um, so we stay in touch with each other knowing that we will see each other someday again. So, Father, we just pray for Chris and Kristen. We pray for just all the things in front of them this week, um, just the traveling and the, the, I assume that they're packed already and ready to go. And um, But we pray for traveling mercies because it can be a long, tiring trip and uh, the amount of time that they need to get there. But, Lord, as they go, we pray that you lift their spirits high, Father, and that they would be comforted and um, as they go, and that they would go out with joy facing um, what's ahead of them, and that they would have many woohoos along the way, Lord. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you so much. Um, for our family. We ask that you be with Chris and Kristen as they travel across the country. Um, this is a hard moment for a lot of us, dear Lord, so uh, comfort us and comfort Chris and Kristen as they drive down. Um, let them feel your presence as they're driving across the country. Let them see your glorious creation as they drive across. Let they see your handiwork in everything, dear Lord. And um, give them those moments of silence as they'll be driving in two different cars. Um, just, just let it be a great time to be with you, dear Lord. Thank you so much. Father God, we just, um, we just thank you. We thank you for Chris and Kristen and the anointing that you have upon them. And we just um, pray that as you light their path, that they will see you um, gloriously, Lord, that they will see and feel your presence at all times. And we just um, thank you for the new community that they will join, and I know that they will be a blessing there as well. So we just um, thank you in advance for all the work that they will do there, and pray that you will comfort our hearts as they leave. Dear Lord, I ask that you uh, keep their vehicles in good and working order as they travel across the states. Um, yeah, we have a fine story about vehicles, but please, Lord, um, give them their shade and their rest as they travel. Remind them um, to check their oil. <laughs> Anna not travel midday 100 degree heat uh, could do bad things at the top of Mesa Verde but we lift up and we give to you um, 
Chris and Kristen, and may their love for our children stay with our children in our children's hearts as they travel through their lives without the direct guidance of these two over them anymore. But uh, may their lessons stay and unfold through the seeds that they have planted in our youth. And I ask that you uh, bless them abundantly in their new home. Lord, I just pray a blessing over both of them. Thank you that they have been faithful servants here. We um, just send them out with joy in our hearts. As, as much as there's sorrow, there is so much joy. We ask that you would go before them, that you would be their protector, that you would be their, um, their all in all, Lord, that you would open doors for them that need to be open, and you would close all doors that need to be closed. So we just... Thank you, and uh, leave them in your capable hands. Thank you, Lord.